0: Of heights, to the depths of
1: the sea. Even though Jonathan d- didn't do anything wrong, the Lord was exposing Saul's foolish behavior. We're going to see that because of his rash oath, even to the extent of killing his own son. And notice what happens in verse 43. Then Saul said to Jonathan, tell me what you have done. And Jonathan told him and said, I only tasted a little honey with the end of the rod that was in my hand. So now I must die. I mean, can you imagine seeing this battle between a father and a son?
0: All exclaiming in his cry Welcome everyone, you're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Today, Pastor Rob finalizes Chapter 14 in 1 Samuel, and as he does, we learn more about King Saul's hardened heart. He pronounced a death sentence to whoever ate in violation of his forced vow. Saul was shaken to find that his son Jonathan was the one who disobeyed his vow. Instead of admitting that the commandment and death sentence was foolish, Saul hardened his foolishness and declared, For you shall surely die, Jonathan. Saul was willing to kill his son rather than to humbly admit that he was at fault. Saul started out as a humble man, but his once impressive humility was overtaken by pride. Now here's Pastor Rob.
1: I eat food until evening before I take vengeance on my enemies. So none of the people tasted food. And so we see now, and again, this is not something that's directed by God, is it? Did God say that they should do this? No, this is something that he initiated. He initiates this oath, and it was a, it was a poorly, it was very poor to do this. You don't tell men who are on the battlefield, oh, by the way, you're not going to eat anything today. You need energy. You need protein. <laughs> You're going to be running and, and, and tossing around uh, uh, spears and swords. And here we start to see Saul unraveling. Jesus said in Matthew 12, uh, verse 34, For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. And here we see Saul trying to muster up something spiritual and appear devoted to God. By making some kind of oath like, let's hey, let's all fast now. No, this is not a good time to fast. God didn't say it. It'd be different if God you know, spoke to the priest and spoke, to, you know, if he did it some other way. But Saul's just pulling this out of thin air. He's, like, he's pulling a rabbit out of a hat. Let's fast until we vanquish our enemies. That sounds like a really bad idea. A really bad idea. It's been said... That the spiritual conditions of our hearts are revealed not only by the actions we perform, but also by the words we speak. By the words we speak. In Ecclesiastes 5 verse 2, it encourages, Do not be rash with your mouth like Saul. Like Saul is not in there, but do not be rash with your mouth and let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Boy, that's a good um, admonishment for all of us. Instead of me coming and just throwing up on God all the things that I want, sometimes it's good to just get before him and just be quiet and be silent. You speak to me, Lord. Again, there's nothing wrong. We, We pray and that's good. But you know what I mean. Sometimes we have time and all we do is talk, 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 and we don't stop and listen. And just let him work in us. He does things in wonderful ways, sometimes a little easier than what we might think. All we need to do is rest in his presence. But Saul, now, he not only makes this rash oath, but we'll see him in the latter part of this chapter being willing to even put his own son to death after another rash oath that he makes. And then we're going to see him in chapter 15 next week, not obeying the Lord's clear direction, and that's at the point where God's like, "I'm done with you. I can't, I can't steer you, Saul. You're you're, an, you're a disobedient man. Someone better than you is going to take your place." Saul didn't know it, but it was going to be David, a young man out in the field, the youngest of seven, out in the field, Jesse's son, tending to the sheep. Nobody cared about him. God says, that's a man after my own heart. I like that. But this fast wasn't directed by God. It was foolish. Be careful in making oath. Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 33, Again, you've heard it said that to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but you shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, nor shall you swear by your head because you cannot make one hair black or white, but let your yes be yes or no, no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. Don't make oaths. You don't need to make an oath. Jephthah, remember? Usually we make oaths when we're desperate. You know, when you're in a real pinch and you're like, God, I will do anything if you get me out of this problem. I'll do anything. I'll, 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 I'll do this. In fact, God, I'm going to do this. If you get me out of this trouble, I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going to you know, paint the church at Calvary Chapel of Rochester on the outside with my own money, Lord. <laughs> and then the Lord delivers you and you're like, ah, oh, it's getting kind of late. And off you go. Jephthah made an oath. oath. Lord, if you give me the Ammonites, the first thing that comes out of my house, I'll offer as a burnt sacrifice. He's probably hoping for his Labrador retriever. (laughs) I don't think they had those back then. But can you imagine seeing, you know, uh, Benji come running out of the door, you know, or Lassie running out to meet him? Wouldn't be so bad to offer that as a burnt sacrifice, but it's his only daughter comes out of the door. Back in our text in verse 25, it says, All the people of the land came to a forest. So here they are in this battle as they're chasing the Philistines. They come to a forest. There was honey on the ground. And when the people had come into the woods, there was uh, was the honey dripping, but no one put his hand to his mouth, for the people feared the oath. But Jonathan had not heard his father charge the people with the oath. Therefore, he stretched out the end of his rod with his hand and dipped it in the honeycomb. And he put put his hand to his mouth and his countenance brightened. And then one of the people said, Your father strictly charged the people with an oath saying, Cursed is the man who eats food this day. And the people were faint. Well, that sounds like a really great idea. What a great oath. You know, such a perfect timing. But Jonathan said, My father has troubled the land. Well, wow, those are words that could have got him uh, put to death, right? My father has troubled the land. Look now how my countenance has brightened because I tasted a little bit of this honey. How much better if the people had eaten freely today of the spoil of their enemies which they found. For now, would there not have been a, been a much greater slaughter among the Philistines? Wouldn't there have been a much better victory if we had fed ourselves? What my father said was dumb. That's what Jonathan is saying. Now, they had driven back the Philistines that day from Michmash to Ajalon, so they drive them back uh, westward from Michmash to Ajalon. And the people rushed on the spoil and and took the sheep, the oxen, and the calves, the spoil, and they slaughtered them on the ground, and the people ate them with the blood, which they weren't supposed to do anyway, but they were so famished. You, You know what that's like when you're really hungry? Have you been like that? Maybe you've been a little hypoglycemic. And' you're like, you're like seeing stars, and you're just you'll consume anything. I mean, you'll take a, like a snickers' bar and just and you know stick it up your nose. I mean, you'll just inhale it, and you just eat the whole thing in like three seconds flat, you know, in two bites, it's gone, you know, and you just eat everything in sight, and then you're, you start to come out of your fog. Does that ever happen to anybody? Raise your hand if that's happened to you. Yeah, okay, good. I'm glad to know. Yeah, it's happened to me. Of course, I didn't stick the, the the bars up my nose, though. I just uh, I put them in my ears, though. No, I'm just kidding. So then, people they rush on the spoil, and then they told Saul, saying, "Look, the people are sinning against the Lord by eating with the blood." And he, so he said, "You have dealt treacherously. Roll a large stone to me this day." And here Saul is being all high and mighty, and you know. Uh, feeling really spiritual himself. And then Saul said, Disperse yourselves among the people and say to them, Bring here, bring me here, every man's ox and every man's sheep. Slaughter them here and eat, and do not sin against the Lord thy God by eating with the blood. So every one of them, every one of the people brought his ox with him that night and slaughtered it there. So they're sitting around there getting all, getting their tummies nice and full. And then Saul built an altar there to the Lord, and this was the first altar that he had built. And by the way, it's his last. So what is he doing offering on the altar? He's not a priest. There's a way which seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Saul was one of these men like Timothy, like Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, verse 5. He had a form of godliness, but he was denying the power of God. He wasn't really seeking the Lord. He he had a form of godliness. He had a form of righteousness, but it really wasn't real in his life. And that's why he was such a, a not a very good leader like David, like his own son, Jonathan. Now Saul said, let us go down after the Philistines by night. So they just got done eating. They got, probably got their energy back. And now Saul says, let's go down after the Philistines by night and plunder them until the morning light and let us not leave, leave a man of them. And so Saul wanted to appear spiritual again, to be a leader, now a, a courageous warrior. And notice what they said, do whatever seems good to you. The people said that. And then the priest said, um, hey, hang on a second, Saul. Let us draw near to the God. Let us draw near to God here. And again, was God steering Saul or was Saul guiding Saul? So the priest, thank God, stops him and says, Hey, shouldn't we seek the Lord first instead of just being rash again, Saul? Haven't you learned a lesson? And I can almost hear Saul under his breath. Oh, come on. We got to do that religious thing again? Can't we just go? Can you see his impatience? I believe that was probably more accurate. So verse 37, Saul asked counsel of God, shall I go down after the Philistines? We don't know exactly how they were divining this answer because uh, probably weren't using Urim and Thummim or maybe the priests lost them. I don't really know what happened, but notice what interesting thing happens here. So he, the Saul asked counsel of God, shall I go down after the Philistines? A yes or no question. Will you deliver them into into the hand of Israel? A yes or no question. But notice, but God did not answer him that day. Can you imagine how humiliating that must be for a king? He didn't answer them. In Psalm 66, verse 18, it says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. If I'm continuing to be disobedient, how can I expect God to be hearing me when my life is filled with rebellion and sin? It doesn't mean that he can't, because I remember when I was in sin, I cried out to God and he saved my soul. But those are probably the... Uh, um, uh, what's the word I want? Uh, doesn't matter. Let's go on. So, um, so Saul, because of his sin and his rebellion, God didn't answer him. And Saul said, come over here, all you chiefs of the people, and know and see what this sin was today. So again, Saul trying to make something happen. You can, you can just feel his insecurity. Can you, can you feel it? Can you hear it? He just, he's trying to prove himself to God. He's trying to prove himself to the, to the army around him. He might be trying to save face because of how he's been humiliated so far. For as the Lord lives, who saves Israel, though it be Jonathan, my son, he shall surely die. So he's already putting his son. He says, even if it's Jonathan, whatever this problem is, whoever's sinning the camp, even if it's my son, he's going to die. And that's exactly what it was. So he makes another rash vow here in this verse, 39. Whoever it is, even if it's my son, he's going to die. Well, that sounds great, Saul. Saul was very jealous of even his own son and then he said to all Israel you be on one side and my son Jonathan and I will be on another side so now they're casting lots and the people said to Saul do what seems good to you therefore Saul said to the Lord God of Israel give a perfect lot and so Saul and Jonathan were taken but the people escaped so basically what they did is they used lots and all of the children of Israel were on one side and Jonathan and Saul were on one side and whoever picked the lot and the one that was shortest or whatever then it would mean that these guys would be set aside and then he noticed what he does after that. And Saul said, cast lots lots now between my son, Jonathan, and me. Let's find out if it's my sin or his sin. So Jonathan was taken. His lot was taken. And so now, Jonathan is slated to be put to death. Even though Jonathan d- didn't do anything wrong, the Lord was exposing Saul's foolish behavior. We're going to see that because of his rash oath even to the extent of killing his own son. And notice what happens in verse 43. Then Saul said to Jonathan, tell me what you have done. And Jonathan told him and said, I only tasted a little honey with the end of the rod that was in my hand, so now I must die. I mean, can you imagine seeing this battle between a father and a son? I mean, Jonathan respected his father, but he's like, you're, you're kidding me. You, you know, I didn't even hear the oath. And now because I did that, I'm going to die for that? I mean, do you realize what, how dumb that sounds? You're going to do that? I'm, I'm the one who did. What were you, dad? sitting under the tree, drinking iced tea, updating your Facebook page, and I'm out there chasing the Philistines, me and my armor bearer. Where are you? Where are you, Dad? I can see the Dad puffing up his chest. Go ahead. You know, you know, fathers and sons can sometimes get in the flesh. But Jonathan didn't do anything wrong. Saul did everything wrong. So then Saul said to Jonathan, "Tell me what you have done." And Jonathan said, "I've only tasted a little bit of the honey." And Saul answered, "God do so to God do so and more also for you shall surely die, Jonathan." So Saul even in his pride, he so hung up on his oath and his commandments but the people said to Saul, Shall Jonathan die who has accomplished this great deliverance in Israel? Certainly not. As the Lord lives, not one hair of his head shall fall to the ground, for he has worked with God this day. Unlike you, Saul. They didn't, he didn't, they didn't say that, but that's what's implied. And now Saul is jealous. He's jealous of his own son. And we're going to find that because David was made of the same stuff, he's going to hate David. He's going to be jealous of him. And he's going to hate it when Jonathan and David really become the best of friends. Boy, he hated that. He's like, now two men of faith on my hands. My own son and the one who's probably going to replace me. So the people rescued Jonathan and he, he did not die. And then Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines. And the Philistines went to their own place. I mean, think about this. They're, they're about ready to finish the battle, right? And now this whole thing comes up where God exposes his sin. And think of how humiliating this must have been for, for Saul. To have everybody in the whole, the whole, all of Israel saying, you're not going to lay a hand on him. But I'm the king. I'm the, I'm, 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 the, I'm the king of the jungle. He starts to bang his chest and roar like a lion. No, you're not going to put a hand on him, Saul. He's the one who delivered us today. I mean, ultimately God did, but God used this man. So Saul established his sovereignty over Israel, fought against all his enemies on every side, against Moab, against the people of Ammon, against Edom. These are all enemies of Israel, against the kings of Zobah and against the Philistines. Whenever he, wherever he turned, he harassed them. And he gathered an army and attacked the Amalekites, and he delivered Israel from the hands of those who plundered them. We're going to see next week another of Saul's major blunders uh, next week when we look at the, uh, his battle against the Amalekites. And then in 49 verses, uh, through 49 through the end, we're going to see just a a postscript, if you will, of Saul's family, the royal family, if you will. And it says, The sons of Saul were Jonathan, Jeshua, and Melchishua. And the names of his two daughters were these, the names of the firstborn, Mirab, and the name of the younger, Michal, or Michelle, however you want to say it. This is the woman that Saul gave to David, right, as a prize for killing Philistines who despised David in her heart when she saw him dancing before the Lord. Remember? We're going to see that coming up. The name of Saul's wife was Ahinoam, the daughter of Ahimaaz. And the name of the commander of his army was Abner, the son of Ner, Saul's uncle. Kish was the father of Saul, and Ner, the father of Abner, was the son of Abiel. Now there was fierce war with the Philistines all the days of Saul. And when Saul saw any strong man or any valiant man, he took him for himself. And wouldn't he? I mean that would that would make sense, right? Now there's a lot in these uh in these chapters, uh, you know, or these verses in verses forty nine through fifty one especially, there's some uh, some translational issues there. Um let me just give you uh, three verses or four verses to just check out as you read this, because um, there's some uh, more information and in other verses that kind of uh, clarify some of these things. If you're reading it really carefully, you'll you'll notice some discrepancies, but they're they're uh, given to us in other areas of the scripture. Uh, the first one is uh, in First Samuel chapter nine, verse two. You can look at Second Samuel twenty-one, verse eight. So 1 Samuel 9, really verses 1 and 2. 2, Samuel 21, verse 8, and then 1 Chronicles chapter 8, uh, 29 through 33, and then finally in 1 Chronicles chapter 9, verse 39, and they just kind of give you some more background on those verses. We're not going to go on that tonight because uh, we don't have that much time, but I would encourage you to check that out. But we see, uh, again, we're going to see Saul uh, becoming more unhinged as time goes on. And remember, uh, Samuel had already told Saul, because of his disobedience, that God is already looking at somebody else. And that was the writing on the wall for Saul. He should have really examined himself. And, you know, um, who knows what the Lord might have done. But you can never tell a man by the outward appearance, right? In fact, next week we're going to see that verse. It's very common. Next week's going to be a really wonderful chapter to look at because there's so much to learn there. And it's something that right now we can apply to our life because we tend to we tend to size things up in the natural. We very rarely wait to see what's underneath. We never take the time because we're we're Americans and we have to have it fast and quick without any questions. We don't care. We want what we want. We look at it. That's what I want. Hunt, kill, take home. Right? That's, 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 that's typically the idea. There's no waiting for anything anymore. I would encourage you to be a person of patience. Wait upon the Lord. Wait upon him. Honestly, I've had the, most, the greatest joy when I've had to wait. The greatest joy when I've had to wait for something. For God to prepare my heart. To prepare me for whatever it is he 's going to do there 's no replacing that folks there 's nothing you can go through that 's going to get you there any quicker. You must learn to be patient. You must must learn to call, to wait upon the Lord and trust him let 's do that this week let 's not be rash like Saul. Take things and matters into our own hands and just make it happen because I can i got the gift i got the talent I got this I got that I can make it happen I can make it happen. And God's going, well, you can make it happen if you want, but you're going to make a mess of it. And you're going to have to redo it all again. And you're going to hurt people in the process. Do you really want to do that? Is there anybody here that really wants to hurt somebody? Much And hurt yourself. Hurt your own faith. Hurt your own walk. It's better to, be wait, to wait and be patient. Patience, patience, patience. Long-suffering. Isn't that a fruit of the Spirit? Long-suffering, patience. Wait, wait, wait. Let's stand together. You've been waiting long enough tonight, but you're used to it by now. Maybe. (laughs) Father, we just thank you for the, um, Lord, the examples that you've given to us in, in the Scripture. Lord, so many lessons, Lord, that we see. And, Lord, we're learning them along with Saul, Lord. Tonight, we're learning. Tonight, we're learning. I'm learning. I'm learning again, Lord, to, to trust you. And I pray that, God, you'd bless my brothers and sisters tonight, that you would fill them, that you would encourage them, that you'd strengthen their faith, Lord, that you'd give them every good thing from heaven. Lord, uh, surround them, Lord, with your blessings. May they chase them down the road, Lord, and, and just bless them, God. Bless their homes, their families, their kids, their spouses, Lord, their jobs, everything they put their hand to, according to your will, God. Every way with us tonight, we ask it in jesus name amen
0: I'm sorry that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of first Samuel Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at twenty five o three browncroft boulevard rochester new york one four six two five You can reach us at our church office between nine a m and four p m Monday through Friday at area code five eight five